Welcome into another episode of Locked On Phillies. The Phillies have an off day tonight before they head back home and play the Miami Marlins. So we've got a lot of fun off-topic stuff to discuss. Well, just meaning not game recaps or anything like that. First of all, what should the Phillies do with an interesting outfield situation down the stretch? Also, a crazy Kyle Schwarber stat, courtesy of Jason Stark, and one that really makes you think about where he should be batting in the lineup. And finally, we'll take a peek forward at that Marlins series, just a general overview, some pitching matchups, and uh, how the Phillies seem to stack up in what's an important series, both for the Marlins and for the Phillies. All of that in today's episode of Locked On Phillies. You are Locked On Phillies, your daily Philadelphia Phillies podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, this is Locked On Phillies. I'm Connor Thomas, your host. Thank you so much for checking us out, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Please make sure you're rating, reviewing, subscribing to the YouTube, all that good stuff that I tell you about every episode that really helps us out here at Locked On and helps me out personally. I appreciate it if you've already done that. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started now the fills they have an off night tonight of course we just uh talked about that in the intro they'll play the miami marlins tomorrow night friday night to get going on uh, a home series on a home stand that sees a good amount of nl east games you'll see the braves coming up too as well so a very important home stand for the philadelphia phillies but today we got a little bit of a day off to uh, jump into some fun stuff that's been on my mind about the philadelphia phillies and I want to uh, I want to get into that starting with an outfield situation. First, I do want to let you know when the Phillies play tomorrow at 7.05 p.m. Eastern Standard Time tomorrow night. You can listen to every pitch of the Phillies' hometown radio broadcast of that game on the SiriusXM app. Just go to the SXM app and search Phillies. Now, here's the outfield situation, right? The Phillies have a very peculiar, not bad, but interesting situation dealing with their final two outfield spots. Nick Castellanos is going to play right field. He's going to be out there basically every day. He was an all-star out at that position. Yeah, he's entrenched in right field. You're not going to move him unless you're doing like a late, late defensive replacement in a weird situation. But no, Nick Castellanos will be out there playing right field for the Philadelphia Phillies. So who plays center field and who plays left field? It kind of comes down to an interesting uh, three-man rotation that – it's a tough call who should be out there. I think Brandon Marsh has 100% earned the right to be one of those outfielders. He's had a great year. He's sitting in like the 290s. Uh, his OPS is really good compared to the rest of his team. I mean, there was a point where he was one of the hottest hitters in baseball back in like June. And he's had moments this year that show you that he's really good at the plate, solid defensively. I think he's above average defensively. And he he's probably your most veteran of the options out there, which is saying a lot considering he's a young, young baseball player still. But no, I think Brandon Marsh should be out there, but I think he's probably the lowest level defender of the three options. So I'd probably put Brandon Marsh in left field. And this is all assuming Kyle Schwarber is DHing and Bryce Harper is able to play first base. But yes, so let's put Brandon Marsh over in left field. 
And that leaves you with the center field question of Christian Pache or Johan Rojas. Well, right now, there's another guy in the mix, Jake Cave. I think Jake Cave would be on the outside looking in. I'll bring up a solution to this a little bit later because they seem to like Jake Cave a lot. He's a guy that's played with other MLB franchises before and has experience at the major league level. So maybe Rob Thompson likes the experience he showed in the past that he does. But the question is, Pache or Rojas? Let's go through some numbers and the thought process, and I'll let you know where I stand. So, for example, Johan Rojas, he has just come up. This is his first season in Major League Baseball. He does not have that many at-bats at the Major League level. But what you have seen from Johan Rojas in those at-bats, it's hard not to like. I mean, the guy's been not overmatched by Major League pitching, and I really like everything I've seen from him since coming up. The biggest thing is the defense. He's your best defender, maybe at any position. Uh, definitely in the outfield. So you can add him in there and say, okay, we've got a plus defensive center fielder, which could be huge come postseason. Uh, the thing I look at, though, as far as the at-bats, is he's still under 100 at-bats for his career at the major league level. So it's not a huge sample size. Defensively, I'll give him the nod over Pache, but Pache is still a plus defender himself. Like, here's the way I see it. Brandon Marsh is an above-average outfielder. Uh, Christian Pache is a very above-average outfielder and defensively. And then Johan Rojas is an elite-level defensive outfielder, like maybe one of the top two or three in all of baseball already. And he's still a young kid. I mean, just come up. Uh, he's only 23 years old. But, I mean, Pache's 24 years old. Brandon Marsh is – let me get an age on Brandon Marsh – uh, just to have that for you. Brandon Marsh is 25 years old. So you have 23, 24, and 25 years old out there in the outfield. It, again, this is a good problem to have. So the question comes down to the numbers at the dish for those two guys that you're looking at. Now, I went ahead and I looked this up uh, this morning when I was having this conversation on air. So Christian Pache this year is slashing 309, 309 batting average, 367 OBP, 582 slugging. Uh, that is through like 50-some at-bats. Johan Rojas is batting 289, 330 OBP, 402 slugging, and 732 OPS. The OPS for Johan Rojas, 948. He's almost got a 1,000. That's not for Johan Rojas, sorry. 948 for Christian Pache. Pache has shown off more power, more pop. The slugging is better uh, by 180-some points. The batting average is better by 20 points. Uh, I mean, the OBP is better by 37 points. Pache's been better at the plate. It's been in a minimal sample size. But that's why I think you're seeing a good amount of Pache right now because they want to try to get Christian Pache to the same amount of at-bats or close to the same amount of at-bats as what you have with Johan Roas so you can evaluate accurately. If, when... Pache gets there, you're looking at a guy who is hitting the same as Rojas, then Rojas has the job because he's better defensively. But if he continues on that trajectory of batting over 300 and having an OPS near 1,000, yeah, Pache's playing center field. And Rojas will be a defensive replacement. And that's fine with me. And you can have Rojas as a pitch runner, and he's still got value to this team. And there's nothing to say Rojas isn't a player for this team in the future, but I – just I like what I've seen from Pache at the dish in a very small sample size. But here's the bottom line of where I stand. 
I don't know anything about any of these guys. Well, Marsh, I do. But you don't have enough of a sample size at the major league level to make any call about these guys' future. And yet you have to, coming up, decide who's going to play in the postseason for you. So I think they're trying to get Pache more run just now to give him more data points to look at. Rojas the same. And Rojas has been sitting down a lot recently, though, and that's annoyed some people. I think it's because of J.K. And I have an easy solution for that. Derek Hall's tearing the cover off the ball down to the minors. Why don't you go ahead and call Derek Hall up? Uh, Jake Cave, go down. Uh, designate him for assignment. And you can have an extra infielder on the bench. You're forced to play Pache and Rojas together on days that Brandon Marsh doesn't play. And that way you take out the whole, uh, well, you're not playing Rojas enough. You give him more shot. Because Jake Cave's not going to be playing the outfield for this team in the playoffs. He shouldn't be, at least, with that level of talent. He could be a left-handed bat off the bench, but Derek Hall's been that in the minors. Maybe call him up and give him another shot at seeing some major league pitching. Let him play first base on days that Bryce Harper can't and everything like that. That's what I would do. I would call up Derek Hall in favor of Jake Cave. I would play Rojas and Pache as much as possible down the stretch, get an idea of who truly is better between those two guys. And then it would be Brandon Marsh and left, Nick Castellanos and right, and whichever one of those players – you like better come postseason in center field. The other guy goes to the bench and is a very good bench piece for the time being. So that's how I'd handle the outfield situation. Just a little breakdown of uh, an interesting little dynamic going on with the Philadelphia Phillies and a decision that has to be made. Coming up, we're going to talk about a crazy Kyle Schwarber stat uh, that's dealing with him batting leadoff and why if you don't like him batting leadoff, you don't have a leg to stand on anymore. Sorry, it's the facts, though. <laughs> it really is. We'll talk about it coming up as we continue today's episode of Locked on Phillies. First, I want to tell you about my friends at LinkedIn Sales, though. You might be struggling to close deals. Cold outreach might be wasting the time of both the buyer and the seller at every stage, especially when sellers are using shallow and outdated data. I mean, your organization can overcome these challenges with technology that translates into comprehensive, high-quality buyer data and uh, takes that and turns it into real-time insights. And deeper insights on uh, your client and everything like that, they can empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers. That's called deep sales. And LinkedIn Sales has built the first deep sales platform with the next generation of LinkedIn Sales Navigator. You got to go check it out because you want to dive in and have information that leads to more pipeline, higher win rates, larger deals. It's just more money for your company in sales with the data that LinkedIn sales can get you through their next generation of LinkedIn sales navigator. And right now you can try LinkedIn sales navigator and get a 60 day free trial at LinkedIn.com uh, slash locked on. That's LinkedIn.com slash locked on for a 60 day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to LinkedIn.com slash locked on and you can get started. All right, Phillies with an off night. They take on the Marlins tomorrow night, 7.05 p.m. First pitch on Friday night. And you can listen to every pitch of the Phillies hometown radio broadcast of that game on the SiriusXM app. Just go to the SXM app and search Phillies. Now, Jason Stark jumps on our radio station once a week to talk everything with the Philadelphia Phillies and the latest trends and everything like that. And there's been a very interesting one uh, recently that he's been focused on with Kyle Schwarber. Uh, Schwarber's gotten incredibly hot at the leadoff spot, but, you know, 
he kind of has been slugging the ball all year. I mean, he's at 41 home runs. That's one of the top three marks in the National League. It's one of the top probably 10 marks in all of baseball, maybe less than that. I haven't looked at what he is exactly uh, towards that mark, but he's slugging the ball insanely. And he gets on base with the walks insanely. Like, this guy is not your prototypical leadoff hitter, but his OPS when batting leadoff is the highest in franchise history. It's like 1,041. Now, Jimmy Rollins, back in 2007, when he had his unbelievable year and won his MVP, he was 1,030-something. Like, Schwarber might end up below that, depending on how he plays through the next 22, 23 games, but he's better than Jimmy Rollins was at his best when it comes to the on-base plus slug. I don't understand how people can look at that and say the guy's not a leadoff hitter. Jimmy Rollins was the prototypical all-star leadoff hitter, and Kyle Schwarber's better than him at what you want, getting on base and slugging the ball. Like, ideally, do you want those home runs to be with runners on base? Yes, I, I get it. Yeah, oh, Grand Slam is better than a solo home run. Sure, but he feels more comfortable in the leadoff spot. He produces in the leadoff spot. He's better than Jimmy freaking Rollins in the leadoff spot. But people just still refuse because of, oh, he's big and he clogs up the base pass and this, that, and the other thing. Listen, guys, I don't love it either. I'm not – I look at Kyle Schwarber and I don't see a leadoff hitter. I look at him and I see everything that's supposed to be a cleanoff hitter. But you have to look deeper than this at this point. You have to take it to the next level. You're like, okay, he doesn't look like a leadoff hitter. He doesn't swing like a leadoff hitter. He doesn't have the body type of a leadoff hitter. But he's good at it. And on top of that, the Philadelphia Phillies win baseball games when he's a leadoff hitter. They just do. They're better when Kyle Schwarber bats at the top of the lineup. Now, what's more important to you? Ask this. You being right about Kyle Schwarber not being a leadoff hitter or the Philadelphia Phillies winning baseball games? Because if you follow this podcast and you've uh, rated or reviewed and subscribed to the YouTube, appreciate it if you have done that, you are a fan of the Philadelphia Phillies. And that is more important than any of our opinions. If I said that a pitcher stunk and then he comes out and throws a no-hitter for the Philadelphia Phillies, I wouldn't then say, well, the guy still stinks. I'd be happy that he's helping the Philadelphia Phillies win. Well, Kyle Schwarber... Some people say he stinks as a leadoff hitter and shouldn't be that guy. And then there are clear stats to show you that he is better at leadoff than probably anyone in the franchise history of the Philadelphia Phillies when it comes to OPS. There's other stuff like stealing bags and uh, things like that, singles hits and stuff that doesn't equate to that and it doesn't make him look like a great leadoff hitter. But that's that's pretty all-encompassing, and he's pretty darn good when you look at it. So if you're anti-Kyle Schwarber leadoff, just know that Hall of Fame baseball writer Jason Stark is against you, and he has some pretty darn good stats that show that you should be against you too. we just got to accept it at this point. And even if we don't, even if you're sitting there like, nope, I'll never accept it, well, Rob Thompson's not changing his lineup, and he has good stats and good reasons why not to. So get used to it. Kyle Schwarber, leadoff hitter of the Philadelphia Phillies. It's what we've seen for a while, and it's what we're going to continue to see, and it is working. And I've been on this train for a little bit to where I was like, it, Kind of since the end of June, maybe early July, where I'm like, it doesn't make sense, but they win, so screw it. Uh, I don't, I don't know. It's like if a basketball team literally did not take a two pointer. They, they instead of taking wide open dunks, they passed the ball out for three points and just shot that the whole time. You're like, what the hell are they doing? 
but they win and they win a lot. I would say, well, keep doing it, I guess. The ultimate goal of the game is to win, not to have a good leadoff hitter. And Kyle Schwarber helps the Philadelphia Phillies win. So just something to keep in mind the next time you're thinking about criticizing Rob Thompson's lineup or where Kyle Schwarber's batting or if he strikes out or whatever, he's having a darn good year, even if it is a very weird year. But just my thoughts on the Kyle Schwarber situation based on something we heard from Jason Stark earlier this week on 97.5 The Fanatic. Coming up next, we're going to take a short pre- uh, peek, a little preview into the Phillies matchup with the Miami Marlins in a big series. We're going to do more of this tomorrow's episode, of course, uh, as we get closer to the game actually being played. The games, three-game set at Citizen Bank Park actually being played. But we'll do a quick preview here coming up as we wrap up today's episode of Locked on Phillies. All right, let me tell you, though, about our friends over at FanDuel. They're our title sponsor for today's episode, and you can get ready for the NFL season. It kicks off tonight with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now's the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use. And you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. Go ahead and check it out because you've got Detroit and Kansas City in the Thursday night matchup in just a couple hours. You're going to want to get your bets in before that. You're going to want to take advantage of the $5 bet to get 200 in bonus bets. I mean, all that stuff is great. Again, FanDuel.com slash locked on. Check it out. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. I'll tell you one more time. Phillies, Marlins, 7.05 p.m. Eastern Standard Time tomorrow night, Friday night. And you can listen to every pitch of the Phillies hometown radio broadcast of that game on the Sirius XM app. Just go to the SXM app and search Phillies. We're going to take a deeper dive into this in tomorrow's episode as we preview game one and talk about Uh, what went on on the off day and everything like that, some teams playing that are of interest to the Philadelphia Phillies. But let's just look at the general uh, feeling for this series. First game is going to be Christopher Sanchez facing off against Yuri Perez. And big advantage for the Phillies. ESPN has them as a 60%, 60 60-plus percent chance to win that game. So you feel good about that. Game two on Saturday night, even better. You have Aaron Nola against Johnny Cueto. Cueto just has not been good at all this year. Uh, so that should be another advantage for the Philadelphia Phillies. And if you move on to game three of the series, you're looking at Ranger Suarez against undecided. The Marlins don't even know what they're going to throw. I understand the Marlins are still fighting for a spot in the wild card race. Right now in the standings, as you look at the NL wild card race, the Marlins are just five games back at the Philadelphia Phillies, and they're holding on to the final wild card spot. But guys, the Marlins aren't that good. They might make it in, but... You can tell by the pitching staff and the analytics there from ESPN on who's favored in the games. The Phillies are just a significantly better team than the Marlins. It's a nice story. I I would like to see the Marlins make it in just because that would put them in position to be the third NL East team in the playoffs and make the division look tougher. It would make the Phillies look better in the NL East total. And I don't have, like, hatred for the Marlins at all. They're just kind of there. And... Yeah, it's nice to see a young upstart team make a little bit of noise. I don't know that they will stay in over Arizona and Cincinnati and San Francisco still hanging around down there. Uh, but I don't want them to get in because of the Phillies. This is a team that's going to come to Citizens Bank Park 
locked and loaded, ready to try and hold down that final wild card spot because their margins are razor thin. And the Phillies could certainly use a win as well. So it'll be a huge series for both teams. And it's one that the Phillies are hugely advantaged in. So the biggest key is the pitchers need to show up. You need to absolutely get great starts from Sanchez and Nola and uh, Suarez because you just have the pitching advantage in each one of these games. You should dominate them, and the offense should show up, and hopefully Trey Turner's back from paternity leave. I'll let you know tomorrow on tomorrow's episode if we hear whether or not he's back for this series against the Marlins. Uh, But, yeah, there's no reason why the Phillies shouldn't have a good series at home against Miami. And as much as I would like to see the NLEs look better by the Marlins making it in, well, (laughs) I'm not going to do that at the expense of the Phillies. Crush the opposition. Make me wear this victory shirt all weekend long. And uh, it's starting to get a little stinky. I might need to wash it. So with that in mind, I'm going to go do that. That's all for today's episode of Lock on Phillies. Thank you so much for checking us out. Make sure you're rating, reviewing, subscribe to the YouTube. All that good stuff. Really appreciate you checking us out. And I will talk to you next time on the next episode of Locked on Phillies.